In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, Peter says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, I think few would doubt today that Jesus Christ lived an exemplary life. Even a French atheist one time said this. He said, Jesus is the model of all human virtue. But the issue in this passage, really, in this verse that Peter gives us, is not the example in his living, but the example in his dying. You know, this makes a tremendous amount of sense to us. Because we learn more about the character of a person in their dying than we ever do in their living. In fact, what does that mean to us? What it means to us is the truest revelation of who we are is determined how we handle our greatest trial. Trials are things that reveal things about us. In our Christian life, the entire world is watching us. And it's easy to be a Christian when everything in life is going smoothly and everything is wonderful and there are no problems. But what is the world looking at when they see us going through a deep and a dark trial in our life? Are we still living the Christian life? Are we revealing character by the way that we live? You know, I've said this in the past and I didn't come up with this on my own. I'm taking it from someone else. But someone one time said that character is revealed when you're up against it. That's what we're going to talk about, some things about trials. A poet one time said this, though, along this line. He said, good timber does not grow in ease. The stronger the wind, the tougher the trees. The farther the sky, the greater the length. The more the storm, the more the strength. So, trials reveal character. Adversity reveals virtue or lack thereof. And the greater the trouble and the more severe the adversity, the truer revelation of what we are is then revealed. And you know, the same was true with Jesus. I appreciate what Wade had said about the character of Jesus. And that is true. And when you think about Jesus, we think about his most difficult trial, his hardest moments, and character was revealed. In fact, during his greatest trial, he performed his greatest work. And in his dying, he gave us principles to live by. And that brings us to our introductory text once more. 1 Peter 2 and 21. I'm going to read that again. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, there's many things that we could select from the Lord's example. I've chosen three words, and this is actually the title of this lesson. It's three words that Jesus spoke while hanging on the cross just before he gave up his life for the sins of the world. Three words. It is finished. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, it follows up the idea that Jesus knowing all things were fulfilled except there was one passage. And that was a prophetic statement given in the book of Psalms that in his thirst, they gave him vinegar to drink. So the Bible says as Jesus was totally in control, he was in control of the whole matter. They weren't taking his life, his life he was freely giving. He said all things need to be fulfilled and there's one final passage that has to be fulfilled. And that was they had to bring him the vinegar or the sour wine in his thirst. 
So he said those words, I thirst. And the Bible says they took that hyssop and put it on a sponge and dipped it in that sour wine. And they put it to the lips of Jesus. And when he tasted thereof, the Bible says he did not drink. Then he said, it is finished. After that, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. What did he mean, though, when he said, it is finished? He meant that his work was finished. His work was accomplished. You know, there's a big difference between uh, one thing of living your life until it's over and living it to the end. There's a big difference between that and living it until it's finished. Now, none of us have any idea how long we're going to be on this earth. We really don't. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen an hour from now. We have no clue. But if we are currently working for the cause of Christ, doing what is ours to do, then we can say, regardless of how short our life may end up being, that's beyond our control, we can say that we lived our life until it was finished. Big difference, though, between living it till it's over and living it till it's finished. You know, the Boston Marathon is one of the most grueling marathons, I guess. I'm not a marathon runner, but apparently it's one of the most grueling of all marathons. And every year when they have the Boston Marathon, everybody starts and everybody stops. But not everybody finishes. Big difference between stopping and finishing. It's one thing to come to the end of your life. It's quite another thing to make a difference. I like what somebody said one time when he said greatness of life can never be determined, never be determined by the accolades that one achieves in life. You know, people get awards every day. They get recognized every day. Accolades and all this and all these titles behind somebody's name. But did you know that the greatest thing you will ever be and the greatest thing you will ever do is to make a difference in the life of someone else? Christians need to live their life to make a difference. To make a difference in the lives of others. To make a difference for the cause of Christ. And a great example, by the way, of this is leadership. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, he's a natural-born leader? Yeah, no, he's not. You're not born into this world a leader. Look at the little tiny guys in our congregation. Uh, they're the most needy of all when they're little. They're not born a leader. Big difference. What happens, though, is over time, leaders, usually in the face of trial, and usually somebody that you least expect, they emerge and they make a difference. And that's what leadership really is. Somebody said one time that great leaders do not set out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. It's never about the role. It's always about the goal. In other words, you would be the leader that you should be behind the scenes regardless of whatever title or whatever you've been given as a, a picture or description of you. So when Jesus said it's finished, he meant that he had finished the redeeming work that he came out to do. He bore the sins of all mankind. And Jesus, submitting to all of that, says to his father, it's finished. And the word finished is often translated accomplished. I did it. I'm finished now. And I love what it said next. 
and I love to say this, I love to preach this, but it's just powerful to me. When it says that he bowed his head, it is not the, the picture, it is not the posture of a victim. It's the posture of an ultimate victor. Because the word bowed literally means to pillow your head. Totally in control, he said, it's finished, I have done it. I'm now going to give my life. Jesus was the greatest that ever lived. And he fulfilled his greatest work in his greatest trial. And that was his greatest triumph for which we are thankful. Bearing, bearing, bearing the sins of all mankind. You know, Paul learned this lesson from Jesus too in this regard. At the end of his life, and we're going to get to this passage right at the end in just a few minutes. But he said, I have finished my course. And you know, it wasn't easy. And I'm not here to tell you it's, things are easy. Things are not easy. And if you're a Christian, it's going to get difficult. And you may be criticized. You may be ostracized. You may be persecuted. It's nothing new. Listen to the great Apostle Paul. And by the way, the greatest preacher saved Jesus Christ the world ever knew perhaps was Paul. And this is what they said about him. Listen to this verse. You think people say things about us negatively. Listen to this. This is Paul, by the way. In verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is what they said about Paul. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. You know, that's another way of saying you're ugly and you, you're a bad speaker. But you know what Paul would later say? It doesn't matter. Because we got the treasure. The treasure is the word of God. And he said the treasure in earthen vessel. It's a clay pot. He said yeah I might be a clay pot. But you know what I got the treasure. That's the word of God. And that's what he said. And that's all that mattered. Paul had some difficult times. But he said I fought the good fight. He said I fought the good fight. What is the good fight? Now I got to say. This does not mean wars and battles and contentions and strife and all of that. The good fight of faith is what he's talking about. He said, I fought the good fight. That is the good fight of faith. You know, when I look at that phrase, it tells me this. The fight of faith is always good, even if it's difficult. And Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Paul said, I finished it. Again, what am I saying? I'm saying to us, let's not just live life till it's over. Not till it ends, but live it to finish the work that God has given us in whatever role and capacity he has given us to do so. Okay. Now, i got to say this about retirement. Retirement is something that we always long to get to. And sometimes we think retirement is inactivity. In other words, get to the point of complete inactivity. I remember my, my father-in-law used to say, man, when I retire, I'm going to play golf every day. And then he said shortly after that, after he retired, he goes, man, there's only so much golf you can play. You know what he ended up doing? He ended up wanting to do something, so he got a little security job. Okay? I got a good friend of mine. Very good friend of mine. At the age of 55, he retired. He was financially able to do that. After uh, six months, his wife said, you need to go back to work. 
you're driving me crazy. You need to go back to work. Go back doing what you love to do. So I talked to him just a, a few months ago, and he said this. He said, you know, I've come to realize that retirement is this. It's doing what you love to do, when you love to do it, and with the people that you love in your life. That's retirement. And he said, if that really is retirement, I've been retired for years. Okay, let's talk about retirement spiritually. We never reach a point when we spiritually retire. And I'm going to tell you, older folks, you are valuable to the cause of Christ and you have a responsibility. You might say, well, no, not me. There's really nothing more that I can do. Have you ever been more encouraged than to look and see what brother Reuben Creekbaum does at his age in, the, in his 90s with his health issues? Still telling people about Jesus. What if this, what if you as an older person were feeble and had health issues, but you pick up the phone and you just spent a couple minutes and you encouraged somebody that was younger? That's a great work. That's a great work. Or how many times has an older person been there to have wisdom and have uh, advice for a younger person, as Solomon would say, wise counsel? Let me talk about people that were old, okay? Older. Abraham was 75 when he responded to God's call. Sarah was 90 when God called her to begin her family. Moses was 80 when he called him from a burning bush. What about Eli? What about Eli? And do the things that happen in our past or the way that we have been in our past eliminate or disqualify us from the future? Not so. Eli, by the way, when he was very old, 1 Samuel 2 and 22, he virtually failed at rearing his family. His sons were absolutely an abomination. He failed at rearing his family. But notice, God used him to be the mentor of a young prophet named Samuel, who became one of the most significant prophets of the Old Testament, for which two books of the Old Testament bear his name, First and Second Samuel. So it may be with us. Let's not live our life till it's over. But let's live our life with the eye and the mindset of doing what the Lord has given us to do and finish. So that we might be able to say, as did Jesus, it's finished. And may it be, regardless of how long our lives are, that we can say the words that the Apostle Paul said. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, a crown of righteousness is waiting me, and not to me only, but all those that love his appearing. The Apostle Paul knew that there was something waiting him. What did he have to do first? He had to finish his life, he finish his work, and be the man that he should be for the cause of Christ. May it be that we could say we fought the good fight and we finished our course. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. 
please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.